0: Just take a moment. We're not going to pick them up. You're going to put it in your Bible. If you do what I ask you to do, that is. And uh, we'd like for you to write down in one or two words, whatever it takes, your strongest or your most favorite testimony of your life. How the Lord fished you out or how uh, you went through something or he answered a prayer uh, that was very important to you. Something that if somebody said... Well, what's this, what does God do for you? What's this Jesus do for you? You could say, let me just give you my story. And you should just put a marker phrase on there or word so that you know when you look at that card again, you know what it's talking about. Amen. I think this is important and we're going to, of course, it'll be up to you and me what we do with it. There's. Nothing heavenly about this. Hallelujah. So I want to welcome you to River Church tonight in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. We are so glad that Jesus is Lord. Yeah. And we're so glad that, he's, that we are seated at the right hand of the Father with Him. And we're so glad that dominion shall not, uh, sin shall not have dominion over us. And we're so glad that we always... He always causes us to triumph in the Lord Jesus. We're so glad for the blood being the most important thing in the universe and that it was shed for me, it was shed for you, and that you're fully empowered by that blood. Hallelujah. So if you would with me turn to uh, the book of Mark, chapter 5. Let's look at a few things. I have titled last Sunday and tonight... I've, I've gone through, I, sometimes I retitle things because they they don't turn out like I think. I think they're going one way and I title it like that and then they, they don't, Mark chapter 5. So I've titled this, Your Testimony is Your Future. Now that's a pretty strong statement. You wouldn't want to just throw that out there and say, what about all this and all about that? But there's a lot of truth to your testimony is your future. And that if that's true in any dimension that you can't go past Your testimony and so people that don't have a testimony they're brand new or they've never stepped out in God uh, they don't have much of a future but if you if you fought the, the woolly bears and the and the slinking lions like David did well you you're not afraid you can be not afraid without an experience but it's always subject to review But when you've had a testimony happen in your life where you were in the place where if God didn't come through, it was going to be way different in your life. It's always wonderful to look back and say, this is tough, but I remember when. And I have a lot of those, don't you? It was tough, but it is tough right now. But I remember when the Lord fished me out, put me over, funded me, had someone come through and changed my life. Chapter 5 of Mark, we're just going to hit the highlights here of this story that we talked about Sunday. And they came over into the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. So that's what he's facing. The man is, the man is hopeless and helpless. He's bound by this unclean spirit. And we find down there later that he's totally possessed in so many ways. So if we drop down to verse 8, it says, For he said unto him, Come out of the man thou unclean spirit. I want you all to know how simple that was, how direct that was, how powerful that was. The more you talk, the less powerful your words are. and he said, let me read it again. Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. So that would be two, four, six, eight words. And then he goes on there. Let's look in verse 15. And they, and they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil. He was possessed with the devil. And had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Isn't that interesting? They were afraid. Of the change, have you ever noticed that sometimes your friends or your kin folks are not as excited about the the new man you are, the new person you become, about revelation, about change, where you've thrown away some addicting substance, or you've quit quit doing that, or you've taken on? I'm going to read the word, I'm going to whatever. You go, well, everybody will be excited about this because they they love God too, and they're not. Somehow they twist it into something that you're self-righteous or goody two-shoes or something like that. It's it's happened to all of us. Uh, And then in verse 18, it says, and when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him or asked him that he might be with him. Why wouldn't you? Your life got completely changed. How be it? Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, go home to thy friends and tell them how great the Lord has done for thee and hath compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish to declare in Decapolis, 10 cities, how great things Jesus had done for him and all men did marvel. All men did marvel. I love that. But I also note that this wasn't that he sent him off to Bible school. He didn't send him off to church. He didn't send him off to a, 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 a home meeting or anything. He had nothing. The only thing this man had after he was delivered was a testimony. That's all there was. There was no doctrine in him. There was no experience. There was nobody that could even personally validate what had happened. He knew he was free, but he didn't even know what that was, except that he was free. And when the the word came out that, how many, who are you? And they said, we are legion for we are many. That was spoken by the devil himself. You know, that, that was... It wasn't him. He had no knowledge of what was going on. Um, but he knew he had a testimony. The Lord Jesus knew he had a testimony. I guess I should say it that way. And he knew what had happened to him, that I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. That, that sort of thing, where you just know a complete reversal and a great transformation. But still... He had no doctrine, and I like doctrine. It makes you be able to plan your life, anticipate what the devil's going to do, understand what the Lord has already done. Yes. Doctrine is good. We should know some doctrine. We should be able to defend our faith with doctrine and the word of God. But uh, John eight thirty two says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So if this man was set free, he was set free by the truth. The truth come out of him. And he did. So really, his whole assignment, not having doctrine, not having a, 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 an associate that could say, yeah, that's what happened to us. He, he didn't know anything. All he had was a testimony. And Jesus asked him to take the one thing that he was expert in, proficient in. He asked him to go and take that and publish that to the ten cities. Ne- never said, and by the way, get into Bible school, and by the way, you know, he never read the Bible. <laughs> there was none of that. He only had a testimony, and it was brief. He didn't even understand all the elements of it. So a testimony that you've written down in your card or whatever is, uh, is a declaration, it's a publishing that I've been changed. When somebody said, I have a testimony, you, you know what they're going to say. It was going this way but it, I've been changed. It's going this way now. Uh, it wasn't happening, but now it is happening. I was blind and now I see, so to speak. I was uh, addicted to this and now I'm free from that. Or just, I was tormented in my mind and the Lord brought comfort into my soul. And, uh, and I have a testimony that, a testimony that you've been rescued. That's what a testimony is. Have we all been rescued? You know, you didn't have to be at the end of your rope in some alley with, you know, drug dealers and rats and all that. It doesn't have to be that way. It could be fine, upstanding uh, citizen in the community. And their testimony is, I got set free. I got rescued. I got empowered. We all have one of those. And we discount it sometimes when we when we hear these tremendous testimonies. And the process where people got delivered and, and what the cross did and the gospel and the, and the anointing did. And we go, well, I don't have a testimony because listen to this. Who would listen to me? You're the expert of your testimony. And it is, it is incumbent on us to take the one thing that is ours, truth that happened to me, truth that happened to you, and bring that truth to somebody else. I may not understand once saved, always saved or how to get the Trinity or who, what the mark of the beast is. I'm, I probably don't even know what, what the beast is. But I know I was rescued and I was delivered and that's what I've got to tell. And we all have in some sense, I believe, can't say categorically, but we've all been influenced by somebody's testimony. Yeah. Somebody just in passing said, oh yeah, it was bad, but then the Lord than the Lord or I went to church or this, that, this, that. Well, they all have a testimony of how they tell it and we pay attention to somebody's personal experience. Not so much to the preacher. He's got a job and he's just after your money. That's what they, they say out there and uh, all that. So they don't put a lot of credence in that but somebody they know, somebody that they trust, somebody that they knew was a wreck and not going well, suddenly they're testifying, "I'm not like I was, and it's lasted more than an hour, more than a day, more than a week, and it's powerful. Uh, Revelation 19:10. I'm just going to read that because it's uh, real short. And you know this verse, Revelation 19:10. It says, "The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So right there we see that testimony is not just a testimony that I was a wreck and now I'm better, but it could just be truth. The testimony, the truth of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Uh, The Amplified says, for the substance of the truth revealed by Jesus is the spirit of all prophecy. Let me read that again. For the substance or essence of the truth. Your testimony is truth. You don't have to understand a whole lot of things. Like we don't have to understand how the ignition on a car necessarily works. But we turn that puppy over and we put it in D and down the road we go. And so he says, Amplified said, for the substance and essence of the truth. And you know, the truth we know sets us free. So the essence of the truth that sets us free is revealed by Jesus. And it is the spirit of prophecy. So you could say um, prophecy is the ability to foretell the future. How, how, how can there's no other faith, there's no other doctrine, there's no other uh, religion as you would. None of them have prophecy. None of them have uh, have written down a single word that said this and thus shall happen. But the word of God is full, full, full of prophecies. And we have a confidence in them because so many of them have come to pass. We can document it historically, archaeologically, scientifically. Uh, Columbus had the word of the Lord that said that the the earth was round. And and Galileo was uh, persecuted greatly because he said that was that. And they said the world is flat. So the word actually discovered that the world is round. And Christopher sailed his little three boats uh, west and sure enough, he didn't fall off. And so there's so much that the word is true and prophetically it's right. But uh, testimony is anything that tells the future. I mean prophecy, excuse me, is what tells us the future. And so a testimony is the releasing of that truth. Releasing that truth. It releases a word that changes the present. Prophecy is a word of truth that changes the present. So when Jesus said, what did he say? Uh, Let me read it again. Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. Every word in that was truth. He had the authority to do it. The mechanics were right, come out of the man, speaking of the spirits. And uh, then he addressed the spirits, who to come out. So it was an eight-word eight prophecy there or an unction, but it set the man free. Truth is the only thing that sets us free. So testimony is a way of conveying the truth when doctrine is not only sometimes available, but it's not even the best. The word is all powerful, but the word is not even the most powerful thing there is. Uh, uh, Doubt and unbelief can undo the word of God. We we don't like that, but but it it certainly is true. So uh, prophecy, excuse me, testimony is a prophecy. It relates to the past, but it's what it's saying is is. I was set free. I'm giving you my testimony. I was set free. And the implication, if not said directly, is, and what set me free will set you free. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What God did, he wants to do it again. And he gives us precedence so we don't have to invent the wheel at every juncture, saying, I don't know what God will do, but let's try this or try that. Oh, no, we know exactly what God will do because we have the testimony. If, if he's ever healed brain cancer, anybody can be healed of brain cancer. Powerful. So, uh, I wrote down this. The Word of God builds faith to believe. The Word of God builds faith to believe in the power. But the testimony inspires Say inspires. Inspires. We need inspire, inspiration. But the, the testimonies inspire us to access that power. So every believer and every unsaved person on the earth, the planet right now, has already been given power. But until they access it, until we access it, we could be born again going to heaven, but never access his power. By stripes you were healed. Speak to the mountain. Say to the mountain. So until we access that power by a testimony, we won't access the power. So how do we get inspired? We get inspired by hearing other people say, this is what God did for me. We don't even know how dependent we are on that. But that's why we always are asking for testimonies, because we all need inspiration. And we read the book because the book, it's we don't know who it is, but we always have someone that wrote testimonies that we believe that has credibility, and we believe that they're as credible as probably anybody in here that would give a personal testimony. Plus, they've had extraordinary testimonies that expand us to ask him to do exceeding abundantly above what we could even ask or think. When you find out God dropped a million dollars on somebody it gets your $1.99 asking inspired. Amen. Amen. And, when, and testimonies many times inspire us to remember how simple the gospel is. How simple it is. It's just not hard. It's not hard to access God. But we sometimes need a testimony to remind us. That's all there is to it. And you got healed. You got delivered. You just walked up there and he he just touched you on the head. She just said this word to you and it, it's gone forever. Well, the gospel's simple and testimonies undo the religious talk that tell us you have to go through. You have to be a keeper of the law and come under the law and under the rigor of it and that sort of thing. So um, a testimony is the personal telling of God in action, if you go to a lawyer, they 'll say, "Sign here, sign there, and you understand that we have the testimony of of a of a, a rote or routine condition, but sometimes we don 't experience that on our own, but we 're inspired by a testimony somebody's saying, "This is what God did for me, and they 're excited to tell it it 's not like they 're trying to win you or save you but this man, this demoniac, was he got wound up. Even though he didn't even know the mechanics of it, he was exciting. So we could say that a testimony is the miraculous invading the impossible. That would be a, a testimony of a miracle, excuse me. A testimony of a miracle would be a, a story of the miraculous invading the the impossible. Otherwise, we just say, "Well, if you need that, order it on Amazon. If you need that, go down to Dairy Queen and order one. If you need that, this and that." We we all understand the parameters of a of a natural world and what's required. But when we need more, when the doctor says well, there's nothing we can do, we need more. When when they say it's going to take this much money to 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 do this and do that, and you you count it and you're way short. So. You need someone to say, I was in that. I remember Leroy Thompson talking about his washing machine. And that was before Leroy Thompson had stuff. And he said, we had kids everywhere, and the washing machine was running all the time, and it quit. And he said, I did not have money for it. But he said, I just spoke to it and laid my hands on the lid, and it started up, and it ran, and it ran, and it ran. Well, see, I would have never thought of that. Uh, I've heard stories about people running out of gas and going back to the, to the fender where the gas tank is and just saying, in Jesus' name, you will get me to town and get back in and off they go. Well, that, See, that that's inspiring. I've, I've read about uh, uh, men believing God to be translated, that they took a five-hour trip, saw everything that was on the trip, and coming back, they saw everything that was on the trip, but they got there in three hours. Well, see, that inspires me. I've been thinking about that myself about that's on my possibility that if I ever need that, I know God will do it if I believe the man that was testifying. So your testimony is powerful, way more powerful than your doctrine. We do bring doctrine here. It's what we should do. Bring the order, the, the, the divine order into the kingdom uh, by doctrine. But we need the testimony so much. Um, a testimony says God wants to do it again. You just can't say, "Well, he did it for you, but he wouldn't do that for me you you got you gotta step way back to believe that, and then I noticed that a testimony once you get a testimony, God did it, bless the Lord, He did that. <laughs> I don't believe it, (laughs) but that it inspires you that if God would do that, it becomes a new standard. That's a new base uh, of what he will do for you. All of a sudden, for instance, I have lots of financial testimonies. I mean, a double handful of them. And so I'm I'm pretty tough about when lack comes and little comes and presents itself because I have a new floor or a new base for what I believe God will do because I've tried him on every level and he's there. Now I haven't ever handled a million dollars but I have testimonies of people that have that were no different than me and all they did was believe God and so I'm on it. Y'all may wonder why I talk about a million dollars. It's because I've asked the Lord to give me a seed to sow of a million dollars. I mean, I already know what to do with it. I know what ministries to send it to. I know what to do with it. It's not for me and Deborah personally, but it's for the kingdom. So I'm, I'm accessing him. I'm a paymaster. I'm, I'm asking him to use me, my mouth, my hands and whatever in order to access that. So we talked about Sunday just and we won't go over it again, but that uh, uh, miracles are the bridge when, you're, when you don't have faith, when you can't speak to the mountain, but you know the mountain's got to go and you're just, you're just wrung out. A miracle is what God, I think, intervenes with and just says, when you just say, God, I need a miracle. And you're not speaking to a mountain and you're not what things, soever you desire when you pray. You're just, you're just at the end of it and you need a miracle and you don't know what to do. Miracles are what God brings. He doesn't want us to live by him. He wants us to live by our faith. But there's lots of miracles when we need them because, you know, we're all pressing beyond our experience. It's not like, well, I I don't know what else to do. Sure, we're all pressing for a a thing that is beyond our comfort zone or our experience or even our testimony. So we need a miracle that sometimes to get us over there. We don't need a miracle to to maintain because we're staying at that level but we need a miracle to get out there and to increase. So I wrote down three things. First of all, you got to know the source of your miracle. It's not luck. James 1, 7 says, Every good and perfect gift comes down, is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness or shadow of turning. So miracles are not luck. They're not coincidence. Secondly, we we have to know this and this is what you have to have in the clutch is that God is always willing to intervene with the supernatural. It's not like, well, I've been bad. And I tell you, that thought comes to all of us. I, I really haven't qualified for a miracle because I could have been praying more and going to church more and whatever, whatever. And so you, you begin to discount for God and give him a out right. to say, Lord, you don't have to do that for me because I know I understand why you wouldn't because I haven't been that good. Uh, I wrote down that we must know that God is always willing to intervene with his best intervention. In other words, if we hadn't been good, he doesn't say, well, let me give you a miracle based on how good you've been. It's a little miracle. It's a, it's a gimpy miracle. It's a, it's a, you know, he's always willing, no matter what, to intervene with his best intervention, that we always get the best of God. We always get heaven's very best. Everything that he could do for us, he's on it. And thirdly, that we, I think concerning testimonies, we have to react to the miracles that come from our testimonies uh, beyond the relief that comes that day. I was looking at this story uh, in Luke 17. But let me read you a joke I told you about six weeks ago that uh, you got to react to miracles beyond the relief that comes. A man had an important meeting and couldn't find a parking spot. Remember this one? He said, Lord, please take pity on me. If you find me a parking space, I promise to go to church every Sunday for the rest of my life and give up swearing. Miraculously, a spot opened for him right in front of his building. The man looked up and said, never mind, Lord, I found one. (laughs) So uh, we got to have a, An afterglow from when the miraculous comes that's not like, Whoo, I got out of that one. I know how it works. If I get into another one, I'll know what to do. Uh, In Luke chapter 17, the ten lepers that got healed, the word says that one came back and the Lord said, where's the other nine? We know from that story that they were all delivered from leprosy, but they had all the markings that it had wrought in their bodies. And the word says in uh, verse 15, when he saw that he was healed and turned back and with a loud voice glorified God, oh, excuse me, and fell down, his, down at his face, giving him thanks. And then the word says that he was made whole. So they were all healed of their infirmity, but they still had the markings of that disease in their body. But this man was made whole which means it's as if it never happened. Well, why is this? Is because he came back and gave thanks after the miracle. After Jesus said, go and show yourself to the priests, and they cranked up and started running, they were all delivered. But this man came back. What we do after the miracle is a part of our testimony for the next one. We're to stop. We're supposed to testify. Just want to let you know that I was... There's 10 of us, and we were out there, and it was bad. We were outside the camp, and na 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 na. And the Lord healed me, and then He made me whole. See, that's powerful. And who knows if He found the other nine and told them and what their change was. So I'm going to finish with this. Every born again child of God has a testimony. Would you say amen? Every born again child of God has a testimony. If you don't believe you've had a testimony, then you think you're way more good than God does. If you think all of this is happening, all the goodness of God in your life, because you're good and because you've done it right, because you don't, you you may be missing a part here. The Lord's helping us at every place. I tell this story often, and I'll just tell it one more time about Keith Moore, asking the Lord if he could go through a whole day without any help, without any anointing, without any uh, supernatural And he said he liked it didn't make it through the day. It was terrible. And so you just never know what you have until you don't have it. And then you realize that. So uh, miracles are the window to dominating the natural. When the natural just says, Pharaoh's behind us and the mountains to the left and the desert's to the right. And God says, pick up your rod. And all of a sudden, the unthinkable, the impossible to even believe more than you can ask or think happened. And that's the Old Testament standard for what the Lord wants to do for us regularly. He's he's called you and me to walk by faith. Wow you got to have the miraculous. You You can't stumble around as an energized, regular person and fulfill the call of God that's on our lives. I said you can't. If you think that you're living in the supernatural and you have a little of this and have a little of that, but you're not really making any progress, then you hadn't tapped into it and you need to dust off your testimony and say, look what God did for me. My story, there's parts of my story I would never say to anybody, this is what I did, you ought to go do that. I It's crazy what I did. But it was the miraculous and he showed through and that's what I needed in my life to go forward. Well, that's what you need in your life to go forward. We're in a day right now, I don't know what it looks like, but there's a day right now that looks pretty tough out there. Looks like the Lord's coming back soon. You might say not so much. But it's going to be what it is. What you think about it, what I think about it, has nothing to do with it. It's going to be like he said. If, if the ten horns are the European nation and if the Antichrist is bald-headed, and, and, and it's going to be like the Lord says it is. It's not going to be like we think it is. So it's good to speculate and to study the Word and get down there. If it always comes out, be ready. Whatever you believe, if it doesn't come out, be ready. You've got a wrong doctrine in you. So we just say, we're ready, Lord. And we want to be powerful to the last minute. If not now, when? We, don't, we are not going to be like Grandpa that lived to be 85 or 90 or whatever and you, you get to hold your great-grands up on your knee. Uh, I don't think it will be. I believe he's coming way before that for this group anyway. But don't be dismayed. Oh, shucks, we didn't get to. We're going to be with him seven years in heaven. Then we're going to be with him a thousand years and we get to crank up at a newer level. Everything that we thought we gave up to go to heaven, we're going to get it in spades for a thousand years. So there's nothing missing. We're just taking a little side journey to the marriage feast of the lamb. So Romans 2, 4 says it's the goodness of God that leadeth us to change. It is the goodness of God. And if it's the goodness of God, then there's a. There's an intervention for our lives. Wherever you need it, whatever you've backed into, whatever he's told you to go do, and it, you're not in sin. You're, you're doing what the Lord said, but it's tough. It's the goodness of God that'll adjust you, lead you to change, and lead you to call on for a miracle. Romans eight twenty eight says, All things work together for good to them that love God and those that are the called according to his purpose. I am. How about you? We are. So all things, A-L-L, everything. Look up the word in all in the Greek, and you'll find it means it's this long, the definition. It means everything, all over, each and every one, all individually, All it just goes on and on. It's the whole enchilada. And then Ephesians 3.20. Able to do exceeding, abundantly, above, all that we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us it's good so if we're not having good then we're just not plugging in there's this joke when we were in russia the little babushkas the little the little ladies and every movie i've seen about russia brings this out they all had a broom they all had a broom and so they say one time they brought a vacuum cleaner into a hotel they didn't know what that was, so little babushka took it and started running it with no electricity. <laughs> well, we could be just like that. It seems funny that we could be like that, but we could start working the kingdom of God like a vacuum cleaner with no electricity. And we, the, the heavens would laugh at us in one way, but it would be really sad that we didn't read the manual and say, plug it in. We'll be through. They all, all these little ladies were on the streets, on the steps, in the halls, and they had no vacuum cleaner. They had a broom about this high, it was real bushy at the bottom, and that's what they did. Amen. Jesus is Lord. Our best days are right now. We've never known as much as we know now, and we've never been as energized to do the will of God as we are now. We're not encumbered by these, this world. Every once in a while, we get snagged up or have a little side journey or whatever. But we're all in. We're all in. Whatever that means, we're all in. And if we're not all in, we're trying to get all in, which means you're all in. When you're trying to be all in, you're all in. So praise the Lord that good, good, good is in our path. This is our very best, best days. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow to it. I like no sorrow. Amen. Amen. Well, good, good. So put your card somewhere where that when you're flipping through your Bible or something.